You're listening to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. We sit down with some of the most highly regarded experts in the field of rehab, from physical therapists, athletic trainers, and much more. We dive into what makes them tick and hear about the lessons they have learned along their journey. Come listen to what these experts have to say. Welcome into the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We have former University of Florida sports resident and current University of Toledo sports PT, Angel. Angel, welcome on in. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me on. All right, Angel. Uh, we met when you were you know, working at UF during your sports residency, and I was doing my clinical rotations there. Uh, but for everyone that's listening, why don't you give them a little bit of background about yourself? Yeah, so I, like you mentioned, uh, I'm the current um, sports physical therapist for the University of Toledo Rockets. Um, I was, I'm originally from uh, Miami, Florida, born and raised there. I did my undergrad at the University of Florida um, with a uh, degree in health education and behavior, which is a little different than most PTs, I feel like. I then decided to do my doctorate of physical therapy down at uh, University of Miami and decided that Gainesville was uh, something that I missed. And so I went back into the sports residency there after working for six months before COVID hit. So that's kind of a little bit about me. Um, and yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey, you know, going from Gainesville up to Toledo, kind of tell us a little bit about how that kind of unfolded. Yeah, so I think with that one, I think the stars aligned, and I feel like uh, if you if you talk to a lot of sports PTs, I feel that tends to to be one of the main characteristics is things kind of not just not that they fall in your lap, but you kind of work hard to to get into the positions that you're in. But sometimes you need um, these stars to align and and a job to open up, and and that's kind of what happened with Toledo. So I did I did my sports residency. Uh, in 2020 to 2021. So we just graduated in July, August of this year. Um, during the process, I started looking for jobs and uh, kind of fell upon this one through my wife, who was born in Toledo and kind of sent it to me as a joke because she knew that I was looking for sports PT jobs. And she sent it to me kind of as a, as a joke, kind of messing with me a little bit. And I was like, no, this is like exactly what I want to do. And I applied, we went on vacation and I hadn't heard anything. Um, so a month went by, we went on vacation and, um, while we were on vacation, I got a phone call and they're like, Hey, we'd love to interview you and interviewed and got the job the next day. So it was, it was kind of quick and in a hurry, but it was, it was a great opportunity. And like I said, the stars aligned and everything kind of fell into place and, Sometimes you just need luck on your side once and, and you're good to go. So kind of rewinding it back even further, when you um, just were just in PT school, did you know that you wanted to do sports from the start or were you kind of open-minded um, and then you kind of narrowed in later? Yeah, I think I started out thinking I wanted to do like outpatient orthopedics. That's kind of where my passion was at first and in um, – PT school. And I think part of that was you don't think that you're good enough for some of these positions or some of these spots, unfortunately. And so you kind of write it off as like, well, I won't even try because I know it's a very competitive field and kind of 
very niche area that very few people get to participate in. And so I kind of went through PT school thinking, well, I'll do outpatient orthopedics with maybe a special, like a specialty in like high school athletics or working with local high schools. So I was working in Miami at the time and, and kind of, um, was thinking I was going to be there for a while. And so I started helping out with high schools and, and coaching and, and working with athletic trainers and strength coaches at the, at the high school that I was coaching at. And I kind of fell in love with being in that facility, being in the, in the weight room, being in the athletic training room, being a part of a team. And so that's kind of when it started to click for me a little bit where I was like, man, maybe I don't want to do outpatient orthopedics. Maybe this is something that I need to take a bigger look at and see if this is the route that I want to go. And here we are. <laughs> so that's kind of, kind of how it developed. All right. That's a, that's an awesome answer. I think, you know, for some people, people have that, you know, I've known from the time I wanted to do PT, I wanted to do sports, mm -hmm. but you know, it's always interesting to hear people's, you know, stories of how they get to where they are. Um, you know, whether it be. And I think it was always there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think it was always there in the back of my head. We're like, man, I would really love to do that, but I just don't think there's an opportunity out there for me. And so if this is something that people are considering, I think you should swing away and see, see what sticks before you kind of write it off as kind of not being able to do it. Right. And that's, I think I was kind of along the same lines. I was like, you know, I think I want to do it, but you know, you always hear mm -hmm. that it's a really hard, like you said, really hard field to get into. Yeah. Um, there's not many availabilities. Um, but I don't think in any area of PT, if they say it's too niche or too, you know, closed off that you, it should neglect you from, or, you know, you it should, you should neglect it from doing it because there's no, there's no point in, you know, if someone says no, there's always going to be, that's always an answer to another. Yes. Um, exactly. So when you first started, you know, working in sports, what were some challenges that you faced, you know, coming from the outpatient orthopedic world? that you didn't expect to encounter? So I feel like it's a slightly different world in terms of the population that you're working with, obviously, right? Like you're working with people who have worked out all their life, who understand some movement patterns and maybe some of that stuff you are able to tease out a little bit more. That's kind of stuff that I stay away from personally. Um, but I think the majority of it is pretty similar to an outpatient setting in that you're working with human beings. Um, they've got emotions, they have, um, trauma from the past that they, that they're currently dealing with. They've got insecurities about injuries, the injury that they're currently facing. They, um, and so I think the biggest challenge for me was realizing this is just another normal person, a six foot 10 <laughs> basketball player with knee pain that I have to rehab just like I would um, a high school uh, basketball player or a 50 year old with like patellar tendinopathy. Like there's, there's still a human being and they still have human elements that we have to key in on and treat, right? Like the psychological component of it. And, um, and we don't necessarily treat that, but you have to acknowledge that that's a part of your treatment style or, or something you have to help address. Um, so early on, it was kind of figuring out that they're not these unicorns that people sometimes make them out to be um, and kind of leveling with them and seeing uh, through not just the injury, but kind of who they are as a person and kind of getting down to that deeper level with them. Um, but then also is kind of knowing like, I guess in terms of challenges early on was knowing like what your role is, 
right? And I think you've spoken with a couple other people on the podcast where my role is unique in that I am a physical therapist within a big healthcare team as opposed to an outpatient orthopedic PT where they are primarily getting the care from you. They're not getting care from other people usually or other healthcare professionals where here we have a strength coach, a dietitian, a, men- a mental health counselor, uh, the athletic trainer, the physician, the coach, like there's a huge team around you and you kind of have to make sure that not that you're staying in your lane, but that you understand your role and you understand where you can best help the athlete to succeed and sort of set them up for success. So I think that was the hardest thing learning. Um, and I think that's what Florida sort of prepared me for was kind of knowing, look, this is our role. This is what we're good at. And this is what we're going to stick to. And you see results with that. Right. And so kind of, Speaking in more into that, um, what are some characteristics that you found like or some different strategies that work well for you when working in that larger sports medicine team? Because um, some, for different organizations, roles might vary slightly, but what are things that you do to kind of make sure that you're doing the best of the best ability or the best job you can do and not worry about what other professions are doing? <clears throat> I think, and I think you've spoken with this again with other people on your podcast, but I think the biggest thing is communication. Um, I think that's something that you see a lot of uh, sports PTs who excel, do a very good job at is communicating. And that's with not only the athlete, but communicating with coaches, communicating with the athletic trainer who is essentially at the center of all of this, right? They're they're essentially the, the hub and they kind of um, direct care from there. So being able to, to communicate with them effectively, efficiently, so that you're not like wasting their time or wasting your time, but getting your point across as quickly and, and efficiently as possible, especially when they're in season or they've got other things going on. Um, and so I think communication is one of the big ones. I also think um, being able to collaborate with other health professionals and being able to, again, communicate with those health professionals. And then lastly, I think is empathy and being able to like, connect with these, um, athletes and patients. Um, I think one of the hardest things as a sports PT is, um, like being able to manage expectations from not only like coaches and athletic trainers, but from players, um, keeping some of these players like motivated through a nine month, 12 month, 15 month rehab. Sometimes like some of these ACLs that we see, like they, they just take a little bit longer and you may not see them three times a week for 15 months, but you may see them three times a week for the first little bit and twice a week. And then once they get into season, you're seeing them once a week just to make sure everything's still going well. And then you see them in the off season. So like finding ways to, to connect with these uh, players and these uh, patients um, so that you can keep them motivated, keep them feeling like they're still um, being taken care of at the highest level. And so I think empathy plays a big role in that because you're able to connect with them at a more personal level. Um, and sometimes I think that's one of the challenges too, is being able to disconnect from that and being able to compartmentalize that too. So. Right. When you're working with those patients and it's, you know, when we think of sports patients, a lot of people like working with athletes because they're highly motivated. So when an athlete becomes unmotivated because they're discouraged yeah. with their progress and even though you might've set the right timelines, they're still like, why am I not being able to, like, I just want to get out and run and be on the field with my teammates or, you know, back on the court, what are some things that you do to kind of like work with them? Because, you know, their singular focus is to return to sport and they're not seeing the bigger picture. So what do you do to kind of like 
get them to see that this is kind of like a blip on the radar, not the entire picture? Um, it depends on what stage in the rehab they're in. Obviously, I have done this recently because I am dealing with this now or, or having this challenge, this obstacle now. And so if they're later in their rehab, I try to kind of integrate their sport a little bit into some of the rehab and sort of show them kind of where they're at and showing, look, we weren't here a month ago or two months ago or whatever it is. Um, and so I try to make it a little more fun, a little more engaging. Um, I try to, um, from the very beginning, I try to connect with them about family, friends, what they like to do, movies, candy. Like there's a bunch of like these random interactions that I have with them that they think it's random, but there's always a, a purpose to it. And for me, it's to kind of be able to connect with them a little more. And so like bringing in their favorite candy, one treatment session or trying to distract them, I think is the best is kind of what I found is the best way to do it and distract them in ways that I've kind of built some of those connections already throughout the rehab process. Um, so for a basketball player that I have right now, I'm getting him on the court and playing like around the world or something. You know what I mean? Like taking the treatment session away where it's like, oh, we're going to lift heavy and we're going to do this, this and this to, well, let's just go have some fun and try to get back to like why we're doing this, give you a glimpse as to why all this hard work is being put in. And, and it's because there's this game that we, that you love and that we want to try to get back, get you back to. So I think it's, it's, it's challenging, like you said, but I think at the end of the day, if you've built those relationships, it can be a little bit easier to have some of those difficult conversations about insecurities about their injury or insecurities about the timeline or um, why am I not progressing or what's like, you know what I mean? Like it, it just makes it a little bit easier to have those conversations with them. They're still difficult, but they're much easier to have. Right. I think that's, I think that's great advice because it's, it's tough when you think that these people that, you know, motivation won't be an issue um, mm -hmm. for these high, like, you know, these athletes, this is basically, you know, they're student athletes, but this is mostly their job. You know, you, you wouldn't yeah. think it would be tough to kind of get them up and going, but you know, they're like you said, it kind of goes back to they're humans too, and they they're going to have lapses where they might not want to go. I mean, to imagine if you had like an appointment every day or every Monday, Wednesday, Friday for an hour, yeah. and it was the same thing over, and it's not always the same thing, but you're like seeing the same person, and it's like you're going through a similar warm up each time, and so yeah, it can get redundant and it can be a grind, but it pays off in the end. Gotcha. Um, I think that's, you know, that's great advice for anybody that's working with a patient of any type that, you know, you're seeing multiple times a week and you, you kind of want to keep things fresh and kind of remind them why they're there. They're not there just to work out. They're there to get back to function or sport. Um, so kind of speaking a little bit more about your, you know, your time at Toledo, um, what's the structure of the, uh, sports medicine team there? Are you, um, like athletic trainer wise, you said there's, you know, mental health counselors, um, are you the only PC or how do you, how do you collaborate with the other sports med members? Yeah. So I am currently the only PT there. Um, I am a part of the hospital that is owned by the university. And so essentially I'm contracted out into the training room. So my, the training room is my clinic. Um, and I see patients from eight to, to five, essentially Monday through Friday. Um, and so at the very top, we have a director of um, sports medicine, um, assistant athletic director um, of sports medicine, who is an athletic trainer for our men's basketball team. 
and he oversees pretty much everything that has to do with sports medicine um, for our student athletes. Um, and then under him, there is a um, director of Olympic sports, and he is also an athletic trainer for women's basketball. So he handles like day-to-day operations for us. Those are essentially my two bosses when it comes to the training room. Um, I also have like the director of rehab who is at the on the hospital side. So I essentially have three people that I, that I report to. Um, but then after that, we have – so between them two, um, we have – we have softball athletic trainer, volleyball athletic trainer, baseball athletic trainer, uh, swimming and diving, football's got three. So we have a pretty big, just from an athletic training standpoint, especially for the MAC, we have a good amount of athletic trainers. Um, we've got three GAs who help out with, uh, one of them helps out with football, the other two help out with cross country slash track and field. Um, oh, I'm sorry. And then we've got we've got nutrition um, that we contract out as well. And then we've got a mental health counselor. We've got several strength and conditioning coaches. Like it's a very large um, team that is responsible for the well-being of our student athletes. And honestly, it's one of the best parts of my day is being able to collaborate with all of them. And um, I'm usually in the in the weight room talking with with one of our strength coaches about um, some of our injured athletes and kind of what the plan is going to be for them that week and kind of what my plan was for them in rehab and um, things that they can or shouldn't do in the weight room um, or variations that they might be able to do. So it really is a lot of fun day to day because you get to interact with a lot of very smart, um, dedicated people. And so it makes your job a lot, not not even just easier, but just a lot more fun. (laughs) makes it a lot more fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So when an athlete is injured, you know, you have such a large amount of athletic trainers. Um, how do you guys kind of delineate who, which athletes go where, you know, which athletes go to see the athletic trainer versus the athletic or, you know, athlete that goes and sees you? So it, it depends on the athletic trainer. Um, usually if it's a post-operative case or something that's going to be a lot like longer, like a long-term case, like an ACL or um, some sort of labor repair or something like that. Usually it'll, it'll get put onto my caseload. Um, just because I will be able to give them like dedicated two times a week of, of rehab. And then they'll also do supplemental stuff with the athletic trainer and with the strength coaches. So pretty much they're doing stuff five days a week. Um, but then for like some of those more chronic cases or things that are non-op and they're kind of like, up, up in the air in terms of where they fall on the phase of rehab. It, it depends on the athletic trainer. If they feel comfortable treating it, they'll hold on to that case. Um, if they feel like they've been treating it for a little bit, it's either not getting better or it's presenting kind of strangely. Um, they'll bring me in to kind of consult with them and either set up a plan of care for them and the athletic trainer will execute that. Or um, I'll come in and eval them, see them for a little bit, see if they improve. If they improve, they'll stay on my schedule if they don't, we'll refer to our physicians and see, hey, this person isn't getting better. Um, what do you think? Um, what else do you think we can do for them? Um, and so it just depends on the athletic trainer. And it depends on, I think one of the other things is like, are they in season? Are they out of season? Um, what does the rest of their caseload look like? Because not only are they handling venue coverage and like meeting with coaches and setting up like all this other stuff, but they're also doing treatments. They're also helping out with like the strength and conditioning side of it. So they have their plates pretty full, even in the off season. So if they're in season, I'll usually try to help them out a little bit more because I know their caseload is pretty stacked up against them. 
Um, and in the off season, we try to manage that a little bit better where um, maybe I do once a week with me, once a week with the athletic trainer. So it just depends um, on what is the most convenient for the athletic trainer. Okay. Cause I feel like every, you know, program university or, you know, team kind of divvies it up a little bit differently. Um, so it's, yeah. it's good to know that there's multiple different ways how, how, and, it, and for successful organizations to divvy up athletes based on, you know, yep. like stages of rehab. Um, so a more clinical question, um, how do you delineate, you know, return to sport athletes versus like sports specific training? Because that's a question that I always have because where do you, you know, end your role as a PT and hand them off to strength coaches and, you know, uh, position coaches or head coaches. And like, where do you kind of draw that line of where your role ends and them getting back on the field or court begins? Yeah, I think it's a fine line. I think it starts with objective testing. Um, that's something that was preached at Florida was we need to have hard objective measures and make sure that we're following the best evidence for return to sport and a battery of tests to make sure that we're, we have the biggest or we've casted the widest net and have the best picture available to us. Um, so that's kind of where I start is I'll take a look at objective measures and just based off literature, kind of make a determination on this is kind of what is accepted in our field as sort of re ready to return to sport. So, and I'll talk about ACLs cause I feel like that's the hot topic right now, like getting them on a biodex and making sure that they're within 90% of limb symmetry index and more than 80% of their, uh, body weight and peak torque. So, um, I think that's the first thing is objective measures, making sure we're, we're getting that. And then I also think it's honestly preference of coaches, athlete, athletic trainer. Um, if there's somebody who is already playing and the coach or athletic trainer or the player kind of want to keep coming to PT, um, either for more of a maintenance program or just making sure that nothing's like falling between the cracks or they're not taking any steps backward. Um, that's something that we will do at Toledo's make sure that um, we continue to see them and make sure that they're getting the best care possible. Uh, it's a fine line. Like you said, like sometimes it's hard to kind of break that up in your head. Um, but I think you also kind of have to know, does your treatment outweigh the risk of them overtraining? Right. And I think that's, where it can get a little muddy in terms of, so I'll, I'll break it down even easier is me seeing them one time a week, 30 minutes going to provide any more benefit in terms of reducing injury than them not seeing me at all and having that time to kind of rest, recover and not have that gas taken out of their gas tank. Right. Um, and so if you feel like, well, they're squatting four times a week They're or you know what I mean? Like they're working out four times a week. They're training five days a week is seeing me going to be the best thing for them. Maybe not. You know what I mean? So I think that's where you kind of have to start thinking is the juice worth the squeeze. And if it isn't that maybe when it's kind of time to, to lay off of it, or maybe you go down, like you said, maybe from two to one or one to every other week or one every other week to once a month, just to check in. Um, and so at least in, in the training room, it's nice because I'll be able to see these athletes every day. They come in every day. And so I'll be like, Hey, how you doing? How's the knee feeling? How's the shoulder feeling? 
how did throwing go, how did practice go. So you kind of get a better feel for that as opposed to the, in like in a normal outpatient clinic setting with like a high school athlete, it's really challenging because you, you really don't get to see them every day and you don't really know what they're doing in practice and stuff like that. So I think it can be really challenging. Right. I think that's a, a great answer. Um, because it's such a, like, like, I think we, you know, harped on it. It's such a fine line and I don't think there's always a right answer, but I think your reasoning behind it is, you know, good reasoning to kind of follow, follow through with, because you have to evaluate for each athlete. Some people, it might be worth it to come in for once a week for PT and others, it might not be. All right, Angel. Um, I got one more question for you and then I'll let you out of here. Um, yeah. Do you have any advice for any aspiring sports PTs, whether they are, you know, an undergrad or in currently in PT school or, you know, graduated and are working now that want to get into the sports world? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing I can offer up is find a way to get involved with a local high school club team, something, get to know the people in the area, athletic trainers, strength coaches, coaches, like that network is always extremely important to have. I also think it's important for you to get your name out there a little bit and always shoot your shot. I think um, there's a fine, like, I think there's always going, like, people are always willing to help out. You know what I mean? Like, if someone were to text me and say, hey, I'd love to, to chat for 10 minutes about your experience with the sports residency, I'd love to. I'd, I'd love to, to chat and kind of um, help out whoever I can help out because I feel like, I didn't have that coming up through the sport, like through that, through this world. Um, there really wasn't someone that I could reach out to early on, like in PT school. I got it once I was like doing my clinical rotations through my CIs and uh, PTs that I've met in, in my clinical rotations, but early on I didn't have that. Um, and so I feel like if I can help someone else along the way, that's one more person that may not have gotten that otherwise. And so I would always say, reach out to whoever, you is a sports PT in your area. And I'm, I guarantee you they're more than willing to sit down, talk, uh, have you shadow observe all that stuff. Um, and then I think the last thing is make sure that you are like, if this is really what you want to do is you start getting into athletic training rooms. I think that's the best way to do it in terms of getting comfortable with that setting because it's a completely unique setting. It's not like anything like our uh, outpatient orthopedic clinics. It's it's a world of its own. And so the sooner you can get into an athletic training room and experience what that's like, um, and the more people you get to meet in that world, the, the better off you're going to be. Gotcha. I think that's great advice. And I think, um, one, you embody, you know, kind of the exact you gave, um, because that's pretty much the point of the podcast. And, you know, I appreciate you coming on to, you know, talk about you talk about your experiences and hopefully this can go out to a lot of different people you know and they take that time to reach out to somebody that they've been you know waiting on you know kind of thinking about it um but also just making sure that you are sure 100 percent sure that you want to do it and getting involved with local you know local athletic trainers and coaches and stuff and um getting your name out because like you said i didn't have that experience either until i had my first rotation and i got to see you and marcus and I had um, my CI kind of tell me more about this world because I kind of was clueless about it before. Um, so I think that's all great advice that anybody that wants to get into sports, no matter where you are at in your PT career, um, I think that's great advice for anybody. 
Um, Angel, thank you again so much for coming on. Um, it was great talking to you again. And um, of course, man, a this has been the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. Thank you to Angel, former University of Florida sports resident and current University of Toledo sports PT for coming on the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. If you learned anything new, enjoyed our guests, or want to hear more from great future guests, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening. Oh.